the need to delight in beauty. It's the last part of our current series going on called Drivers, the longing of every human heart. The need to delight in beauty, it is a longing of the human heart. Everyone, every single person has a thirst for beauty. The passage we're going to be in this morning is Psalm 96. So if you have your scriptures, please turn there now and we'll read it in a bit. The book of Psalms is is a book of poetry. And despite what your high school self might think, poetry is not designed to confuse you. Poetry is designed to present truth in a beautiful form. The Psalms is, is making music to God. That's, that's what the book of Psalms is all about. It's poetry. And the, in each poem in the Psalms, each one contained truth that rings beautiful. Psalm 96 in particular, which we're about to read, is a song celebrating how God's greatness over all creation means that all kinds of people from every tongue, tribe, and nation can love and worship him, and they ought to. Truth that rings beautiful. Let's go before him now and pray. Holy Spirit, reveal your truth of your beauty to us now. Open our eyes to see it for ourselves and apply the truth of your word to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. This is Psalm 96. O oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. What is beauty? I want you to think of a favorite picture that you've decided to put on display, whether it's in your house, your office, in your room. Uh, Maybe it's a painting. Maybe it's a family picture, I want you to think of, of a picture that you treasure, that you think is beautiful. Recently, Karen asked me which family picture was my favorite. Uh, and I immediately thought of one hanging in our son's room. And the, and the reason why that picture comes to mind, it, it's not just one thing about the picture, it's, it's many things. Uh, it's, it's beautifully simple. It's just our faces. So you have Me here, Karen here, and Macklin at seven months old here. And we're all looking at the camera. We're all smiling. Uh, It's 
It's beautiful people. It's beautifully symmetric. There's a perfectly diagonal line of heads. In the background of this picture, there are beautiful trees, aspen trees, beaming with gold leaves. It's taken in a beautiful state on a beautiful mountain during a beautiful hike. So what is beauty? It is the accumulation of many desirable traits. You know, our culture has attempted with much success to reduce beauty to one trait. Either you have the looks or you don't. Beauty is much more than looks. It's the accumulation of many desirable traits. Is beauty something we should concern ourselves with? Absolutely. We know from looking at the scripture, God has put a whole genre of books uh, in the poetry genre. And like we said before, poetry is designed to present truth in a beautiful form. We look at our creation and we see what God has made and we say, yes, we should be concerned about beauty. God has given us so much beauty to look at. Can you imagine living in a world with no color? A world with no music or dancing? A world with no sports? No mountains or beaches, books or movies? A world without dogs? Or flowers. Could we live in that world? I guess. We could survive. But it would be such a sad proposal now that we've experienced a lot of those things. And the true beauty that God has given us. Praise God that he created more than just the bare necessities of life. God didn't have to create beautiful babies with the capacity to smile. But he did. And we are called to delight in the beauty of God's creation. All of these things I've mentioned are beautiful gifts from God that we are to enjoy. And these wonderful things ought to point us upward to God himself. Take this sanctuary. It's a little over one year, a one year old sanctuary. It's beautiful. And the point when a person walks in that in, in those doors right there is to look up and to see God's beauty, his majesty, his splendor. I think we do a decent job at delighting in the beauty of God's creation. Our much bigger deficit is delighting in the creator of beauty, God himself. We often fall into the Romans 1 category where the people are serving and worshiping the the creation and not the creator. I think we fall into that category often. And we are called to delight first and foremost in the beauty of God. And so what is the beauty of God specifically? It's the accumulation of every single single pure and desirable trait you could possibly think of. God has it, and he has an infinite amount of it. God is beautiful beyond compare. And Psalm 96 is calling all people to recognize it. So this morning and every day of our lives, our supreme need is to delight in the beauty of God. How do you and I delight in God's beauty? Three things. First, we must be struck by God's beauty. Second, we must seek God's beauty. And third, we must share God's beauty. 
First, we must be struck by God's beauty. It's his salvation. Look at verse 2. Sing to the Lord, bless his name, tell of his salvation from day to day. God is love. He saves sinners from a life of emptiness and an eternal life of punishment. It's his glory and majesty. Look at verse 3. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. God is the most excellent one. His works of redemption are marvelous. It's his incomparability. Read verse 4. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. God is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. It's his power. Look at verse 5. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. God is the creator of the heavens and the earth. It's his splendor and majesty. Look at verse 6. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. God is supremely magnificent and supremely impressive. It's his strength. Look at verse 7. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Our God is unbeatable. No, no one can snatch God's people out of God's hand. It's his holiness. Look at verse 9. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. God is perfectly pure and in a class all by himself. It's his justice. Verse 10. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. God is a perfect judge who judges fairly. And that's just the beauty in one chapter of the Bible. Verse 4, I think, summarizes everything I'm trying to say right now. Which says, for great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Another way of putting that is God is beautiful and to be greatly delighted in. Verse 4 is the reason why this psalm is calling all people to sing to the Lord, to declare his glory, to tell of his salvation. It's the reason we ought to do those things. Why? Because God is beautiful. And his beauty strikes at the heart and leaves quite the impression. If you look at verse 1 again, it's not just singing a song to God, it's singing a new song. And I found this phrase quite peculiar and I looked up in the scriptures where else it might be used. And it's used nine times in scripture, this idea of singing a new song to the Lord. And each time you see that singing a new song to the Lord always has to do something with salvation. You see, those who sing a new song are those who have experienced a new life. Those who sing a new song are the ones whose sins have been paid for by Jesus, by his sacrificial death. The ones who sing a new song are the ones who have been made alive to the beauty of God. That's how Jonathan Edwards would put it. Those who have been made alive to the beauty of God, those are the ones 
who are singing a new song to the Lord. There was a man named Moses who dared to ask God, God, I want you to reveal your beauty to me in full. Cause all your goodness to pass before me. Will you, God? And God graciously granted Moses' wish in part. He said, I will reveal the back of me because you can't handle the face. And indeed, Moses saw God's back and he was so affected by God's beauty that his face was literally glowing. And the splendor on his face was so radiant that he couldn't go near somebody without masking it. That's just seeing God's back. Have you ever been swept away by his excellency? Have you ever been enamored by his loveliness? If you see God and Christianity as kind of boring... That means you haven't had an encounter with the almighty God of the Bible. You may have encountered the God of the South or the God of America, which says, be good and get good. But you haven't encountered the God of the Bible who says, despite your total lack of goodness, I will make you beautiful. You may be sitting there and you may be thinking, I remember being struck by God's beauty. A long time ago, a really long time ago, and I haven't sensed that lately. I can identify with that. Currently, in the present life, I can identify with that. And and let me just offer a few words uh, if you're in that position. Maybe your Psalm 96 to God sounds a little bit like this. Oh, stay awake for the Lord, a new sermon. Sing to the Lord at church, for it's what we do. Tell of his salvation only when people directly ask me. For great is the Lord and greatly to be considered. He is to be considered amongst other great choices. Maybe that's where your heart is at. I can identify with that. I want to pass on to you six pieces of advice that I heard or read from a a man by the name of Dane Ortland, strange name. He gave in an interview, and he was addressing this idea of Christians who have once experienced the beauty of God, who have given their life to Christ, but now are going through a very dry season. Here they are. Number one, you are not abnormal. Relax. We all go through this from time to time. Two, Your stale and numb condition wouldn't worry me as long as it worries you. Three, God's love isn't based on how intensely you experience the beauty of God. Four, if it's a result of living in sin and you know it, what do you expect? Five, if you are in Christ One day you will look back on this adversity-filled life and you will see all of it being undone. So hang on. Six, stay in the Psalms. For the Psalms give dry and weary saints something to say to God. 
one of the tests to see whether you truly have been struck by the beauty of God is if you desire this next point of how to delight in God's beauty. We must not only be struck by it, but second, we must seek it. We must seek God's beauty. In a world where Adam and Eve got got kicked out of the beautiful garden and more importantly, the beautiful presence of God because of their rebellion, God's beauty is not just something we can behold. It's something we have to pursue. Sin is always a barrier to experiencing and seeing the beauty of God. Sin and God's beauty are opposites and they're not attracted to each other. Our purpose in life of glorifying God and enjoying him forever gets sidetracked by our sin. Or another way to put that, delighting in the beauty of God, our purpose in life, is deterred by sin. So it takes great effort to pursue his beauty or to taste and see that the Lord is good on a day-to-day basis because we live in a world that is cursed by sin. Sin is everywhere. We have our own sin. And on top of our sin, the land of opportunity that we live in has given us so much that we easily lose sight of where true delight is found. To use a book title written 30 years ago with a little C.S. Lewis sprinkled in, we are amusing ourselves to death with mud pies. Lewis says this, you've heard it before probably, it's still a good one. It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. Infinite joy is found in God, not in what he does, but in who he is. There was a man named David who knew where infinite joy was found. I call this story the tale of two beauties. David, the king of Israel, once slept with Uriah's wife named Bathsheba because David found her beautiful. We know that David tried to cover up this act by having Uriah killed in battle. And so we witness by looking at David's life two very contrasting life experiences and the necessary outcomes come with those two different pursuits of beauties. Here's the first. The first one goes like this. Seeking sexual pleasure in a beautiful woman, not his wife, led to a temporary high, followed by a shameful attempt to cover it up, which was followed by great sadness, regret, and shame. As one man said about sin, sin is the enchanting allure of what is going to kill you. If one of David's friends had was made aware of what he was about to do with Bathsheba, maybe that friend should have said, David, 
Sleeping with Bathsheba is the enchanting allure of what is going to kill you. And in his specific case, it was his son that got killed. So that was the first life experience, the first beauty that David pursued. The second goes like this. Seeking pleasure in a beautiful God who forgives big time sinners who repent like David did led to a fulfilling high, followed by great singing, rejoicing, and happiness. David prays in Psalm 27, 4, One thing I ask of you, Lord, this is what I seek, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Everyone has a thirst for beauty. And it must be quenched. And so will you and I seek the ever-increasing amounts of sin it takes to uh, attempt to quench your thirst but never leaves us content? Or will we seek the all-satisfying God and beautiful God that leads us to abundant life? What does Psalm 96 tell us about seeking God's beauty? What does it look like to seek God's beauty from our passage? Well, it starts out telling us to sing to the Lord a new song, to bless his name, to declare his glory. These are not just suggestions made to a bored Christian. These are commands. This is what we ought to commit our life, our time. I remember reading a devotional a long time ago, I think it was in high school, uh, by John Piper, of course, when... He said the title of it was when our ought to's don't match our want to's. And the whole point of it is we know we ought to sing to the Lord. We know we ought to tell of his salvation from day to day. But we don't really want to right now. We're not feeling it. So what do you do in that circumstance when your heart's not in it, but you know you ought to be doing that? He offers several things that people attempt from changing your want to's to look like your ought to's uh, to... You know, don't worry about your your heart right now. Just do it. Just grind your teeth and do it. And he says, that's not even biblical. Sounds like virtue, but it's not. He says, admit to God, repent to him, admit that you don't want to right now, that your heart's not in it, that, that your desire for him is minute. But do it anyways and pray that your heart will catch up to your acts. Admit that you fall short. And go to God with that prayer. Sing to the Lord, bless his name, declare his glory. These are exercises of being with God, hearing from God, talking to God. The more time you spend with him, the more satisfied you will be. You never hear somebody towards the end of their life or at any point in their life say, I just, man, I just wasted so much time with God. I just spent way too much time with God. I'm really regretting that right now. You never hear that. The more time you spend with God, the more satisfied you will be. God is beautiful. Are you seeking it? And his beauty is not hiding, by the way. Sometimes it seems like I can't find it. It can be found. Scripture says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Scripture says, delight yourselves in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Another way of putting that is delight in the beauty of God and he will give you his beauty. He will give you himself. Delighting in God's beauty takes time. 
Whether it's delighting in a piece of art, a sunset, or your favorite dessert, you take your sweet time with it. Delight. It's a word that the slower you say it, the more you understand the meaning of it. Delight. Have you made time for reading, hearing, and studying God's word where he reveals his beauty? When God the Son reveals his beauty in a much fuller form to Peter in Mark chapter 9 at the Transfiguration, Peter sees Jesus in his glory. And what's his knee-jerk reaction? He immediately starts building a tent and saying, I'll live here, you live here. I'll, you know, he's setting up shop. He's, he's saying, this is where I want to be. He understood. He sees the beauty of God and he understands This is where I want to be, like David prayed, to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. This was Peter's offer of a holiday at the sea. And he knew it, and he badly didn't want it to end, ever. We put forth great effort to make sure we have time for our mud pies. We plan and we take trips to go see mud pies. We spend lots of energy and money and stress on mud pies. Are you seeking God's beauty? Those who have been struck by God's beauty will not only seek it, but they will share it. And so third, we must share God's beauty. In Psalm 96, we see God calling all of his people to be a vehicle of blessing to the rest of the peoples, the rest of the nations. To be a part of all the nations seeing the beauty of God and, of course, rejoicing and declaring his glory. Verse 2 is where I'm focused here now. Verse 2 says, Sing to the Lord, bless his name, tell of his salvation from day to day. The word tell literally means to bear news. And in this verse, it's to bear news specifically of his salvation. Just like we would share with people, as we should, just like we would share with people the bad news of the floods going on in Louisiana. Every day we talk about it, and we should. Just like that, we are called as God's people every day to share the good news of God's salvation for sinners. There was a man named Isaiah. And Isaiah saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe lifted, filled the temple. And for Isaiah, this beautiful sight caused him to cry out, Woe is me, for I am lost, and I am a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of unclean Sorry, in the midst of people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. Isaiah was struck with his own guilt and his guilt was taken away by God. His sins were dealt with. And then God, he heard a voice and God said, whom shall I send? Whom shall go for us? And Isaiah said, here I am. Send me. You see, Isaiah wasn't pushed into sharing God's beauty. He was pulled. He was pulled by the beauty of God. 
He was drawn in by the sweet aroma of God's love for a lost sinner such as himself. Verses 2 and 3 tell us what to do, when to do it, who to tell, and what to say. Real quickly, if you look at verses 2 and 3, we are to bear good news Monday through Sunday to all people declaring his marvelous works. Later in Isaiah, Isaiah 52, 7 says, How beautiful are the feet of those who bear good news. By sharing this good news, we are not adding to people's burdens in their life. We feel like we're burdening people by sharing this with them. At least I do. We are not adding to their burdens. We are telling them of the one who takes away burdens. The one who delivers happiness. And so let's not bear this news day to day of being rescued from the wrath of God apologetically or hesitantly. God has made you beautiful through Christ. Share God's beauty. And as you share, it will actually confirm the fact that you have seen the beauty of God. Share the play-by-play of how you saw God's beauty, just like we read about in Isaiah's life. Share the play-by-play of how he has changed your life with people. This is not an extra step in the process. It is a part of the process of delighting in God's beauty. If you are struck by beauty, one, you want more of it, and two, you'll tell others about it. If you are impressed with a restaurant, you want more of it, and you'll tell others about it. If you are impressed with a sermon, you want more of it and you'll tell others about it. If you are impressed by a destination you visited, you want more of it and you tell others about it. It's part of the excitement. It's part of delighting. If you have been impressed with the beauty of God, you will want more of it and you will tell others about it. What is this news that we get to share? The news that God loves us despite our many gross qualities of sin. The news that we were once dead in the water in our sin, but God through Christ made us alive again to his beauty. The news that in Christ we are forgiven. That in Christ we are pure. That in Christ we are made beautiful. Sharing how you met the love of your life, your Lord and Savior, is part of the process of delighting in Him. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. I know for me, I get easily bogged down with, what am I going to say? And how do I start a conversation out of nowhere about God? And I get bogged down of what to say, how to say it, methods, all this stuff. And somehow, I manage to do just fine when it comes to sharing about my wife and my kids with other people. Somehow, I manage out of nowhere to bring up last night's game that blew me away. I know it's not the same But I do think we make sharing God's beauty way more complicated than it needs to be. Share with people your heavenly father. 
Share with people a verse or a passage that blew you away. Let me tell you about my trip, my shirt, my dog, my family, my school, my job, my picture. But not my God who has rescued me from the pit of destruction? One day we won't have a chance to tell people about the beauty of God because everyone will see it for themselves. Look at verses 10 through 13 with me of Psalm 96. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord. For he comes, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. One day when God returns, we will continually be struck by God's beauty. And all of creation will be singing, rejoicing, and praising God for who he is. One day there will be no need of a sun or a moon to light up the sky because God's beauty fully revealed will light up the world and we will be fully captivated by it. And we will be singing a new song to him. One day we will no longer have to seek God's beauty because he will be found and it will be obvious. One day, what Moses was privy to in part, we will experience in full and we will behold the face of God's beauty. But until that day, may we be struck by God's beauty. May we seek God's beauty. And may we share God's beauty. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this sermon cannot contain your beauty. This sermon is not even a drop in the ocean of your splendor or majesty. But our prayer is what David prayed. Lord, one thing we ask of you, that will we seek after. That we may dwell in the house of the Lord every single day of our lives. To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. God, we want to see your beauty. We need to be struck by your beauty. Whether it's for the first time or the 500th time, Lord, meet our supreme need. And may we now join the redeemed and sing a new song to you, O Lord, our God. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.